Welcome to Craig Island Rugby, the home game against Scarlet's edition. William, this is going to be a very important game. Biggest game of the season so far. Uh, tempted to say it's one of the, the biggest in Pat Lamb's tenure here. If we win today, you actually haven't won anything, and if you lose today, you're still well in the running. But it'll get much more complicated if we do. They need to put this one away. It's decent enough afternoon. Uh, it's clearing, the wind's dropping. Three o'clock on a Saturday, nice crowd coming in. And we really did beat these guys at uh, Parky Scarlet's. Uh, and then we didn't, so we owe them one. We certainly do. We'll talk on 20 minutes. Just on 20 minutes, is a break in play. Connacht are winning 3-0, um, but it should be more. Yeah, it should be. They've, they've had a huge amount of possession. Uh, a lot of huff and puff, but maybe not enough subtlety. Needed to get the ball in behind a bit, maybe with a couple of kicks. It's just been over and back a bit. One penalty kick, one miss. They're doing okay so far, so they don't look up too much, but they're still well in the game because uh, we didn't punish them when we had the chance. Yeah, they had a good break and got very close to the line, but we held it out very well. We'll talk again at half-time. Nell at half time and the crowd are happy yeah it's 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 okay they've got two tries they're well on top in this game but uh, we don't have to make it hard for ourselves at times we've, we've left seven points behind from kicks and we've been a little bit inaccurate a couple of times they are really quite poor they're they're almost better when they don't have the ball when they do have the ball so they don't seem to have a clue what to do with it uh, Keenan Blade's done well starting at scrum half he's, he's, got the, he's got the backs moving we're still a bit predictable in midfield and they've just operated what in NFL terms would be a blitz defence they just come herring up because they don't expect anything to happen at speed um, we're playing into the wind in the second half but you've really got to be looking now for a, a bonus point win here there is, they don't have much going forward and I think one more score will put them away they certainly will the pack is absolutely demolishing them they've had to change their front row their front row the front row they have on they started today only had four minutes of game time against us the last day they didn't put them on at all and they've already made a substitution so yes I'd be looking for at this stage a bonus point win but we know things can change in the second half yeah they can and I mean there'll be a few changes I mean I assume Robbie Henshaw will be pulled at some stage and we've already lost Matt Healy so it's going to be uh, a score in the first ten minutes of the second half probably crucial OK we've got Patsy and Roddy here from Ballinrobe yeah. what are your thoughts in the first half guys? Well the character of course are very much on top and uh, they're winning all the set pieces in fact, uh, Scarlet says an opposition are not putting up a good, anyway, any kind of opposition worthwhile, unless things change around in the second half, I don't know. You're enjoying that trip down anyway? Oh, indeed. Oh, yeah, 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 very much. We're very surprised to think that this Scarlet team are top of the league at the moment. It's, it's unbelievable to look at them. Yeah. They look so inferior to Connacht, is that what I can see. Only thing that let us down was a few kicks there, otherwise we'd be 20 pints up now. 
now. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. A fair reflection of the game. Yeah. I think it would. I think yeah. it would. Well, thanks very much, guys. Not I appreciate not it. Not at all. Thank you. Sixty minutes because there's been so much going on in this match. Sixty-four minutes and Rodney just scored the bonus point try. Well, uh, what about you, Rodney? Um, excellent stuff, bonus point. Connacht were asleep for the first five minutes of the half, cost themselves ten points, and since then they've totally dominated. Two yellow cards. Sinekli, pretty, pretty much a beaten upside now. Connacht have been a bit more clinical and have been totally dominant in the scrums. points to 17, we stopped them getting a bonus point and we got one ourselves, great result absolutely great result uh, very much needed got a little bit tricky there at the end but they were well enough organised and uh, they can join a little break now and move on to the Dragons, this game is now over, you've got your points, you move on great stuff, we'll chat in a while We'll have the sound of Liverpool versus West Ham behind us because we've come to Massimo's and they're not sponsoring us, but they are looking after us very well. That's all I'm going to say about the location. Dave Finn's with us. Good evening, everyone. And uh, I have to say, it's uh, nice to be in somewhere with uh, candle and flowers on the table. That was the best home game of this season, William Davis. Yep, it was. Uh, it was a good win. Uh, it was needed. Uh, they did a good job and they need to uh, kick on from that now. They've got a little break. They need to get going again. William's been introduced already in this podcast. Lindley McKenzie hasn't. Lindley, uh, as good an atmosphere as I can remember in a Pro 12 game, not, as, not an Inter-Pro anyways, uh, it was incredible. It was hopping towards the end. The crowd really had a sense from the very get-go how important this game was. Yeah, it was an exciting way to finish this 16-match run. I mean, it's been very long and very difficult for the squad, which, as we know, is, is, is a small squad. And despite all the adversities, despite the injuries that they've had, just going through to the quarterfinals of the European Cup to finish against the Scarlets who were top of the table at home with a bonus point win is an incredible and it's well deserved and credit to all of them and crucially for a change Alan just when we thought they were going to give up one of those obligatory late points that they've done in the past they didn't they dug in no super finish to the game um, I recorded a bit at the end you might use it whether it's worth it because I think the, the roar of relief at the end was, was quite palpable it has to be said um, no super win couldn't have asked for any more 
something you guys would have missed on your side of the pitch was a couple of minutes earlier Bundiaki made an unbelievable tackle that you would have seen but he turned to the crowd and banged his chest again and the crowd just went oh that's the chest banging thing and they gave such a roar and one thing that we're above the Greyhound stand as we always are and we pick up the sounds from there this season the atmosphere coming out of both sides of the ground is equally as good there's a real buzz no matter where you are in the sports ground I think the difference actually with the result of this match today was you said there was a palpable sense of relief unusually that sense of relief was because we got the bonus point without conceding the bonus point to them usually that palpable sense of relief is escaping with a win and I think that is a huge demonstration of how far this team has come indeed I think that's absolutely not allowed there's a we're at the stage now where the fans' expectations of us are quite high, but they also realise that we have fundamental, we have had some failings. And one of the failings this season has been, in a number of games, we've won the game and then conceded the last score, and it has been something that's given the other team a bonus point, or it means we've coughed it up. And when we've been going for the fourth try, we've coughed it up and they've got the score to increase their points difference. Today we didn't, we did concede a late-ish try, but it wasn't, which allowed them to think they could possibly get a bonus point. But then we didn't give them the bonus point. And it allowed fans to go, we got five and they got nothing. That's compared to this time last year, that's a two point turnaround. Our, we get the extra bonus point compared to this year and we didn't they didn't finish within seven. That it's not it's a sense of relief, yes, but it's a sense of that's a very professional job done. Yeah, it was it was important probably to finish this crazy segment of sixteen games with a win. Uh, but really it's 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 sixteen games in a row, but it's actually uh, 20 games out of 21 weeks because the gap is tiny amount of space available now uh, we're playing again on Thursday week and if you were going to the Dragons with a defeat here it would be really really uh, difficult so it was a good job it was well done it got to be honest Senecli are awful they're really really poor but you can only exploit that and we did we killed them in the pack uh, we were better everywhere on the field than them and they only really showed any interest when they had a sniff of getting a bonus, uh, a bonus point I disagree with you a little bit they, I completely agree in the pack they were horrendous especially especially in the tight five like, they were brilliant at times at ball retention they made some super breaks in the centre in the first half you know there was a lot of good to admire about the starters we beat a good team there um, we, we bet a, a good back line and you know a reasonably decent back row but their front five were abysmal like they when in the home game the, the front three that are the, the front row that started the day were on the bench and only one of them got four minutes in that game that's how little they you know and you, you never hear that from you never see that anywhere you know no one you never see a front row staying on the bench their front front row were gone their second row were basically the same second row so you can't talk about their front five really their front row got annihilated today what I found very odd is that when they had to wait, they made a, the first thing they did was Roger Jones has got, has got caps for Wales. Dennis annihilated him. They then bring on Peter Edwards, who is physically could not be less like Roger Jones if he tried. He is a hell of a lot smaller and a hell of a lot wider. It didn't matter to Buckley. But I, what I thought was very interesting is when they had Phil John Bind and the first scrum they got after that, Alan was the guy they took off. They left Shingler and they left the guy Boyd. Now, I... I some, some Scarlet fans were on to me before the end that Boyd was a guy to look out for. They're the missing Barkley, who's gone off to Scotland. The missing James Davies is injured. But, well, sevens. 
Boyd was anonymous. I didn't see him, yeah. yeah. And, and you're thinking, why are you taking off the one guy that's been saving your scrum in Morgan Allen when you're down a, when you're down two players in the scrum? I couldn't understand the logic of that. As it turned out, it may actually have, it, what it didn't it didn't hinder them too much, but they didn't. They, I think they conceded a penalty from the next from the next scrum. It made no sense to that. There's some very poor thinking from from the leadership on that side, and that's where they were missing Ken Owens. They were seriously missing it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I saw Boyd make a brilliant turnover in the first half. It was just phenomenal. I didn't see a huge amount more of him. But then, you know, it's very, again, it's quite difficult for a team going backwards. I'd like to watch the game again just to have a look at him. Also, I feel Aaron Shinger gave away a couple of stupid penalties. So he just was a little bit off his own game, which didn't help his side. Lily, how good would that Scarlet team that Connick beat tonight? And does it, does, do we need to analyse that too much? Do we just need to get back on track with, get back on the fact that Connick just delivered on what they had to do? Oh, I, I don't think you need to analyse that Scarlet's team. That, you know, it's like anything. We go to we we go to places and and Connet are injured, and we can harp on about it, saying, "Oh, yes, we've been hit by injuries, blah blah," but we lose. So I say, this is the team that they were produced. They're only as good as their squad. They came over here. They didn't perform. Connet did. End of story. Have you caught yourself looking at the fixtures ahead now, Lily, and thinking to yourself, maybe there's another. Like, are, are you tempted to kind of start looking at Newport away, Parma away, and start thinking, God, Connet could go on a real run. Now. I think Newport is, is, is a tricky assignment. Yes. You only have to... <laughs> well, they, they've been performing extremely well and they're through to the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup as well. And their pitch was a mess the other night as well when I was watching that, that fixture. Yeah. Um, so they're, 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 they're no walkovers. That's that's going to be a serious test of, of Connacht, I think. Um, Zebra, yes. We would be expected to beat Zebra and anyone would be disappointed if we didn't. But I, I would say that the Dragons will be um, a different story. Let's go to the post-game press conference <laughs> where we hear from Pat Lab first and then we'll hear from the... Uh, I want to quote Niall Shield there uh, who uh, had a quite a good tweet where he said Dennis Buckley won the Dennis Buckley of the Match Award which is uh, fantastic. He said he's going to trademark that so uh, I'm sure we'll have to pay him for a bit of royalties for using it. Anyways, Pat Lamb first. Pat, we were just saying like that felt like an absolute massive victory for Connacht out there. The noise, the result, the bonus points and stopping them getting the point as well. Yeah, it's, it was a great day. I mean, we we prepared well for this game. Um, you know, we knew we were taking confidence from last week and but uh, it was more the preparation during the week, and um, is uh, you know we certainly turned the corner around our mindset and uh, and and what we can do, and trying to be more ruthless than um, you know 13 nil at half time. We knew we should have been a bit more ahead. But the thing I love about these guys is that a couple of things is that the conditions weren't great, but you can see the endeavour that we're trying to play. Yeah, we've got three more tries, but the build up to get those penalties and put them under pressure, and there's some some really some quality. Uh, you know, endeavour out there. Half time, we had a really good conversation, nice and calm. We talked about what we needed to do, and a horrific five minutes after half time. You know, unforced error, high tackle, uh, three points, turnover at the breakdown uh, off, off the next kickoff, and they they shoot and score. And before you know, it's ten points. And you know, this whole sixteen week block has been um, tough, and but a lot of lessons have been learned in adversity and. I think the key is I like to hear what's been spoken about under the, under the, um, the sticks and it was, it was all about calm, back into our game, don't panic. And we just got back into our structures and uh, and we pulled away and then the defence at the end was phenomenal. So all in all, it's, uh, you know, I can't under... It is like a, a relief that we're, we've got through this 16-week period. We've had some tough moments, you know, 22 players that we had to put out against Newcastle, the injuries we've had and... 
it's always going to be tough on the smaller squads. We are the smallest, and we got through it. And to be quarterfinal Challenge Cup in April, to be uh, second on the table, um, but on the same points, is a wonderful effort by uh, this whole group of men. Feels like they've started the second half of the season in another sense because you know you're going into this period of Six Nation now with a real momentum kicker and it seems to have wiped the slate maybe of some of the disappointing defeats in the Pro 12 around Christmas. Yeah, I mean we're on ter- and, and and what is it and uncharted uncharted waters. You know, like we we you know I don't think Connacht's ever been in this situation at this time. You know, I think we've got the most wins already. I think uh, somewhere like well anyway we we're doing well. We're in a different place and so I think the biggest one is that. If you look at all the wins, the losses that we had, and because the, the, the December, January, I, you know, I, I, I won't make any excuses for it. The bottom line is, it's we. Everyone knows, no secret about it. We 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 like the hard grounds and to move the ball and the way the boys were trying to do things. You know, the confidence to try things out there was good. And but certainly we 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 look forward. There's no doubt we look forward to the back end of the season when the when the conditions get good. We understand we have to adapt our game and play, and, and that's a lesson going forward. You know, the next few years is how we get through the uh, December January period and, and and the type of rugby that needs to be played. But we're learning that on as we go, and uh, we will get better. Everyone's going to be talking about Connick's type five and, and their lineout. Obviously, does that does that kind of advantage that Connick have had pretty much throughout the season in key games? Does that allow you your backs to experiment? Look, if they're going to knock the ball on, we'll, we'll go to the next room and we'll attack them again. Well, I reckon we've got the hardest working forward back in the competition. I mean, Jimmy Duffy has been unbelievable this season. You know, he came in as his first year at this level. But what he's done is he's he's he's, uh, he's got a great relationship with all the boys and he's built a, a real culture based around clarity and what they got to do around confidence. And in that, more importantly, he doesn't rely on any individual. You know, he challenges all the guys through. You know, he's come through the academy, so he knows all those younger guys too, like the Alton Delans, the Phil McBellams, the Dave Heffernans. All, all these guys come through. So he's got strong relationships there. But he puts he challenges them. And the work that he's done in our in our scrum and our and our and our mall, and I put some acid on the on Jimmy and the forwards, and I said last week, you know, we had we had maybe three or four, even in this period, chances where we're five metres out and we little things weren't happening and we didn't score. And I said, look, my expectation, we get down there, we score, and that's exactly what they did. And he worked them pretty hard. So yeah, a lot of credit goes to Jimmy and the work that he's doing with those forwards. 12-day turnaround now, so I know you say it's the end of the 16 weeks, but then there's a Thursday night game in Newport, so it's not a, not exactly a huge rest. Yeah, uh, we, we, we planned this really well, so effectively we're back in on Monday. It's a big day on Monday where we're, uh, we'll do a quick review, but we're going to start putting down the preparation because we had al- I'd already said the boys could have Tuesday to Sunday off, and then later we found out the game got changed to Thursday. Well, certainly wasn't going to take their break away from them, and they deserve the break. It's been a long, hard year, and they need to fresh, not just physically, but mentally. So we're going to do uh, quite a bit of work on Monday for, in preparation for their Dragons game so they leave on their holidays really clear what our plan is and what we're going to do and then we'll come in and we'll, have, we'll only have the, the Monday, Tuesday and then we'll, we'll fly down to, uh, to Newport. Dennis Buckley, man of the match. Uh, I suppose you'll take that for your front row as well, you'll be telling us, because it, it was a fantastic display of scrummaging from Connick, pretty much from start to finish. Yeah, we, we spoke during the week about really putting using the scrum as a, as a weapon this week, and it, it, it's never an individual thing. It, it's always a collective, not not just as a three, but but as a five and as an eight. And uh, I think uh, we delivered today, and, and it turned out to be to be uh, to be a good weapon for us and it got us some territory, it got us some good possession and uh, we, we put, built a bit uh, good performance around that. Maybe last week the Russian side were able, maybe not so illegally, to disrupt your mall a little bit but it looked a lot tighter this week and obviously you take three tries from a game like this is huge. 
Yeah, again, uh, obviously we spoke about our scrum during the week, but again, the, the other thing we spoke about was our mall. Uh, we weren't happy with how it was last week. We felt that uh, maybe our standards have slipped a little bit from... from from what we, uh, we set ourselves out to do at the start of the year with our mall, and uh, we said today every every chance we want to be rootless, we want to score tries from our mall, and uh, again we delivered on that. Was this game a little bit different coming into it? Because did you get the sense it was that bit more important? Maybe with what happened earlier in the month, and maybe with the run of results you've had in the Pro 12. Yeah, it was like throughout the week training, you could, you could feel it. Uh, that there's just a bit of a bite in the, the atmosphere. People are kind of really up for it. There's there's a lot of comp- competition for place at the moment. So yeah, it was it was definitely. Uh, a bit more of a, a snappy week than uh, than usual, which is good though, and it it drives everyone on. And look, we set we set our stall out that uh, four points wouldn't be wouldn't be enough this week. We, we need five points. There are five points ahead of us, and uh, we spoke how we'll do that. We'll have a good scrum. We'll, we'll be clinical with them all, and thankfully we delivered on that. There was a bite in the atmosphere in the sports ground too. It felt like an interpro out there. Yeah, yeah, the 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 crowd was really loud and it's great and it's it's an extra person for us and Joan when you're wrecked and you, you hear them all screaming it, uh, it it just gives you that little bit to keep going. Do you feel you're back now 100% and you're really back in the groove after the injury? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I felt felt good. I felt good last week as well. Mm. Um, we've got a we've got a good uh, SNC and physio department here, and they, they they get you back to to top shape before before you're allowed to go back onto the pitch. So so I'm grateful for that. And yeah, look, it was. Uh, it was a, the ankle was holding me back a little bit, so we, we thought that we just better off to get the op. And when we did it, it, it kind of ended up being a little bit quicker than we'd anticipated, which is always good. And uh, yeah, no, just delighted to be back. So, can you, can you give me an idea? You're on the round the fringe of the Irish squad yourself in most people's eyes, but like, give me an idea of what it means to the Connacht squad to see Alton Delan and Finley get in there, to the younger players in the team to see that Joe Schmidt is watching you and picking you as well. Yeah, it's it's great. You see how hard these lads work uh, work during during the weeks and since preseason, even last year, the last couple of years, they're putting in a lot of work. They're they're improving the whole time, and it, it's great to see them get some reward for that. Join top of the table now, and you stopped them getting that bonus point to get back ahead. Yeah, I, I presume that was in your mind towards the end, not to give the mentor out of the game. Yeah, it was squeaky bum time a bit there at the end, but uh, yeah, uh, it, it's good to be top of the table. I think I think they they might still be ahead of us on points difference, yeah. um, but look, we're we're where we want to be, and we've got a few more games left to uh, to try and overtake them. So it's two completely different styles of of uh, tight head. You had a much taller man, you saw him off, and then living on a much more traditional smaller player. From your perspective, it didn't seem to make any difference to you. It didn't seem to make any difference to Rob. But do you take into account the type of player you directly going up against when you plan going into a game like today? Yeah, absolutely. During, during the week, we we kind of anticipated what their starting their starting front row might be, and we, we we watched a lot of video on them, and we kind of we did our analysis and kind of identified weaknesses between the different props, and then we we came up with our tactics tactics to how we'll uh, how we'll attack their scrum, and it paid off today. Right before we go to any other business, uh, lads, just a quick chat about you know where Connacht are in terms of internationals. Uh, Robbie Henshaw, Alton Delan, all released this week, and Finley Beelham. I have to say, let's start with Finley Beelham. Um, I thought Alan he looked that little bit better today. I honest to God, maybe I'm just trying to see things that you know you think are there, but I honestly think he had to spring in the step, and it was nearly off, it was it was nearly completely obvious. It was. There was definitely a bounce in his game, and that's the best reception he's ever got out when he came off the field. He got a huge reception off the field. He was actually quite embarrassed. He didn't know what to do because he's never had a reception like that. The crowd really, really up for the fact that he got picked for Ireland. It was brilliant. He's probably one of the fastest rises of a conic player, you know, from where he was maybe at the start of the season. You know, some of the preseason games, he wasn't even looking sharp to international. 
It is bizarre. I mean, I mean, I think Alton's rise has been equally as fast. I think the reason you say bizarre, now just yeah. to stress, you I mean, mean bizarre in the speed. Obviously, it's a good call. I mean, let's be frank. Finley was third choice tight head here at the start of the season, and it's weird he's been called up as a tight head replacement, given that in the previous two two and a half months he's almost becoming on exclusively as a loose head as backup to Dennis and then starting ahead of Dennis um, but it's significant that the one prop in this the one loose head that we have that can't play tight head is Dennis and he's the one that seems to be getting the short end of the stick on this well I think Finley's rise is fabulous I think it's a massive I mean we, we, we go on about I mean Pat went on about Jimmy Duffy and we, we look back at what Dan took his raw Australian and made him into a prop that could actually play at this level and Jimmy's take and through Dan and Jimmy and Pat he's, he's progressed the situation where we have to remember he was raw very, very raw. I don't know how long he's been playing. He hasn't been playing rugby an awful long time. And he hasn't been playing in these conditions a long time. He didn't come here until he was 19. So his, his rise is spectacular. And it's a compliment to just him and the, tra- and, the, and the coaching team behind him that he's been considered. And given what we've been given out about the fact that we think there, there aren't that many props ahead of uh, there shouldn't be that many props ahead of Buckley in the biking order I think it's a fantastic thing we've had three tight heads capped we have in the Ireland squads in the last 12 months yeah that statement of front row uh, development within Connacht I mean it's as good it's probably better than the other provinces at this stage Uh, who's going to feature that's the key so we've got five guys in William starting with Robbie Henshaw obviously big surprise that we got 80 minutes out of Robbie Henshaw for this fixture five six weeks ago we would never thought that possible and it played a key role because his leadership and his drive was there yeah you, you would have expected him to play about 60 minutes and I have to admit I sent you a text when Ronaldson came on and I assumed there was Robbie Henshaw that came off and it was very quickly we realised it was Jack Carty had come off and they'd... Yeah, I thought the same well, yeah. I, I actually I think I prompted you to say that'll be Robbie coming off <laughs> Uh, he did, yeah, but I wasn't going to drop him in the soup there. Because uh, we're a band of brothers. Because we're a team. Um, it's, it's hard to know how to call that. Maybe you would feel he won't start against Wales, he'd be on the bench, but he started against France. You, you, look, you don't know, international rugby operates on totally different levels. I, I suspect they just felt he wasn't match fit enough, having only played against NSI. So he was. He played the full eighty minutes today. They're, look, they're fit boys. He could well start next week, but I have a suspicion he might. And McCloskey might get a go. Um, it's fantastic. Five Connacht players in the Ireland squad. I mean, that's brilliant. And you hope they, it goes really well for them. And I think younger players can take more out of that and bring it back to their province as a an understanding of the next level whereas maybe older players maybe a little bit more world weary or a wee bit more miles on the clock w- wouldn't so young players coming back or somebody like Delan now comes back into that dressing room he's been up playing with the, the bigger boys and he's a big boy himself that's great that, and he, he can relate that to the guys in the team and he'll learn things and he'll be asked to do different things it's all positive He's literally the fourth choice second row, no matter what. Um, I would say, well, I'm putting him ahead of Foley from Munster, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but he's right on the fringe of that. And I think the fact that he was on the bench might be significant. At the very least, Joe Schmidt knows we're only one injury away from needing Alton Delan in our match day 23. But it might also mean that he's actually gone further than that and he's going to get him into his match day 23. What do you think of the odds of that? No, I, I think Alton's being brought up as a, as a reserve player into the thing and... and He's seen as a guy for the future. I can't imagine he'll. I can't see him being in either squad. For Despite the, first two the injuries. Games. 
even with the injuries, yeah, because you got McCartney. Like I think. Did you put Foley ahead of him? No. So we got, got we got McCarthy, McCartney, Toner, McCartney, Toner, and and Ryan. And Ryan. So and it's only one injury, and then he's in. Well, possibly, but you know, I don't know. The, That's what. Just because he was on the bench today, I just wondered. I mean, George Naupu has worked really well in the second row today. His extra power and bulk was perfect for that. Can I also say you were talking about Finley Beelham there, not knowing how to react to the applause. George Naupu does it absolutely brilliantly he sort of just keeps his head down and the hand comes up and he just gives the smallest acknowledgement to the fans but it's just so understated uh, as, as Alan said Finlay wasn't quite sure what to make of all this that's his, just just to get off topic for a second, that's as big a reception as I've seen for George Naupu uh, for quite a while he had a fine game well, George is fantastic he made the first if remember, he made the first blind break of the day and he was playing as an 8 when Lucy was playing as an 8 as a four. He, he's, he's different from Molson in that Alton is a gazelle and George is a and this is going to sound horrible George is a bit more of a stag there's a lot more bulk to him so you're not expecting so he's going to give what you lose in terms of around the pitch and the line out with George because he's a heavier man you gain in the scrum from the power pushing behind uh, Dennis so that may, may have been a factor as to why if Pat had known that Alton and George were available and they had targeted that particularly weak front row that may, that may have been some of the thinking behind it first time this season George started in the second row indeed indeed. I mean but George also made like I say he made that first break he pushed his man aside that's best George's play I mean George has been one of those players you think sometimes he switches off mentally he was totally focused today maybe he's thinking that he's moving into coaching he's coaching the college women's team that maybe he thinks he's not going to be there and it needs also to be said is that Alton has benefited from the fact that both Quinn Rue and Ben Marshall have very long term injuries and aren't coming back and Alton's grabbed it with both hands it's brilliant for him it's unfortunate for Quinn and Ben but it just goes to show that sometimes you do ben- it, there is a, there's always a hard luck story behind somebody benefiting but you have to take those chances um, Finley we've had injury Nathan's been away and Rodney has Rod- we've needed a second tie Finley has grabbed us and Dennis got injured and Finley starts it's all about taking those opportunities to present themselves somebody loses somebody gains and that's kind of how rugby is and you've got to gain while somebody's losing we could lose all five and still have a team strong enough to win in Newport and Perm. Yeah, we certainly could because of the, the brilliant way that Pat's rotated the squad and, and given them all, you know, opportunity to play and they all believe that they can play at a higher level and they all believe that they can they've taken a huge step this season. It's been the perfect season for Connacht with other teams losing players and our guys have stepped up and now they've got a winning habit, even though they had sort of went through a losing streak, they were still playing fantastic rugby in, in all those games, for the most part, for the most part. Just one thing just before. Ulton Delan is a gazelle. He must be the most destructive gazelle that has ever existed. Oh yeah, I mean he's a gazelle. With, he's a gazelle with claws. Um, the one I'd be worried about, the one I'd be most slightly on edge about me missing is Kieran. I think we. I think. I think at the moment with John Cooney out, I think. I. I don't know. Any been, idea how long it is? I'm sorry to put I'm, you on the spot. I really don't. I really, really don't. Because I've heard nothing about that injury. Certain players work get, it out. Certain players get injured and they don't keep getting mentioned because you know they're long term. John Cooney's one. Quinn is actually another, and so was Ben Marshall. So has been Ben Marshall. They go off. The, they're on the list as being unavailable, but you've no idea because they're not new injuries and they're not likely to return injuries. It's just a slight change in dynamic about how, how injuries are reported from Connick these days. Uh, I don't know about John Cooney. I'll be absolutely honest. <laughs> Caelan had a fine game today but our, our, have, we have had problems at halfback they've been inconsistent you're hoping that Caelan again Kieran's away this is Caelan's opportunity to grab it um, it's unfortunate for Ian Porter but he played very badly out in brief we have to be honest about it and that Kieran being out is the one one of the five that would be slightly a bit more worried about than any others 
Okay, so we got Nathan White, Kieran Marmion, Alton Delan, Robbie Henshaw, and Finley Bealham round the table to finish this segment. How many of them will feature in the match day 23 in at least one of the next two weeks against Wales and France? Uh, Robbie Henshaw, Nathan White, and I suspect Alton Delan. For some reason, I think he might turn up in Paris because I think there will be potentially an injury in there. Yeah, I have Delan in there as well. I don't think Marmion will get in. I think Marmion will get in because I think Mr. Um, Murray. Murray has got a bit of an injury. Well, then he's in, yeah. He's definitely in. You agree with all that? Um, if, if, if the squad was fit, then yes, I think I think Nathan's a definite, Robbie's a definite, Alton's a probable. Finney's there to, Finney's there to, 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 to experience the thing. And Kieran, he should be in, probably won't be, because I think Joe has blind spots in certain positions. That's the end of this section. Lindley had to step out for a second, but she'll be back for our final part. William, you just said time to move on. We have covered that game well in terms of the in-match audio. If you weren't there, enough said. You're worried about the fact that that Scarlet's team are top of the Pro 12, and you think that might be a correlation as to why you don't see any Pro 12 teams in the quarterfinal of Europe. You didn't say that, but I'm just extrapolating. Yeah, it has to be a concern, uh, just the fact that the Pro 12 have been completely wiped out in the Champions Cup. Uh, and I know there's three Irish teams in that, but you've, you've got five English and three French and as it goes on, you see that is going to be the outcome every year. It might be four and four, um, but we're into a bit of a trough scenario here. We haven't got the money to compete with these teams. They're hoovering up players left, right and centre. Um, so that is a bit of a concern. The Pro 12 is below the standard of the Aviva Premiership. It's below the standard of the top 14. It might be better rugby to watch at times than either of those leagues because they can be very old-style, quite tedious rugby. But there's there's a slight concern about it. I think there's a problem in... There's a concern in Wales about the quality of it, and it's something that... If, it's, if, if everybody just assumes that the Pro 12 is going to be there every year for the next five years, that mightn't happen, because there's going to be a potential for somebody to come in and say, this has to be changed, it needs to be less teams, or somebody might try to evolve an English-Welsh league. I have to disagree. I think this year is an exceptional year. Glasgow, Ospreys and Leinster gave the bulk of their players to their national sides for the World Cup and they are all struggling at some, some levels and they certainly did in the Heineken or whatever it's called. And don't, don't, sorry, Alan, to jump in. Don't underestimate the fact that the English teams got to rest. So even the players who weren't in the World Cup got to put their feet up for a few months. And they got a full, they got a proper full-on, they got a proper full-on run into the whole competition. They didn't play. The Premiership didn't start during the World Cup. So they actually got a proper pre-season. So they've got full-on pre-seasons. I, if, if this happens next year, I'd be really worried. I'm, this year's a bit of an anomaly, I reckon. You also have three Irish teams going through transition periods with coaching staff. And, and on top of that, Lindley, I guess in this period of time, just to move it on a little bit, Connacht are still learning, and they've got this advantage of in in one of their like they're not at their, they're not the finished item yet. They're not the finished product. We know that, but not far off either. And it's it's a real benefit that it's coincided with a year where other teams are going through this transition period in the World Cup. There's a real opportunity for Connacht now, and this young team could get to maybe a playoffs, but certainly a top six. Well, they've been able to test themselves against against these teams why they're maturing and why they're growing up it's giving them confidence because they are winning and 
I, I think you're saying the benefits of Pat Lamb having been in situ for three seasons with this young group of players who he has been bringing on. I think there's a hell of a lot more to come from this team. I think it's it's so close to being a very good team. Probably needs a few more experienced heads in it at certain times, but it's but it's certainly exciting times, and I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. Whether we had the World Cup or not the World Cup, but with the World Cup, it has meant that these young players have been able to test themselves, possibly with. Um, an edge psychologically that they're not up against full-blown teams with all their World Cup players and I think it's been of, of great benefit to them. Okay, none of us are coaches or part of the Connick team so we can we can say stuff and we can commit to stuff. You asked Pat Lamb and you knew you couldn't you couldn't ask directly but you did ask him what's the limit in terms of this season? What, what's what's the roof if you like or the, the high point? What do you think what do you think how far can Connick go? Can they go top four? Do you think this Connick team in the current situation is capable of going top four? I think it's a bit like, can they win the Challenge Cup? Yes, they can, if everything goes right. I mean, we're going to have teams that, you know, towards the end of the season are going to have all their players back that are experienced. is still a small squad. We have to accept that. And it's, 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 it's probably going to turn out like cup final days, I think. Can Connett do it? I'm not sure if they have the experience or the size squad to do it, but if they, you know, people are talking about top four, you know, I think we have to look at incremental steps, slowly, slowly steps, baby steps. You know, the aim this year is to get into the Champions Cup. I think that is a realistic aim. I'd be extremely happy if they did that. Then let's move on as that team gets older, as we get a few extra players in. Then we can move on, I think, look at top four semi-finals title. Happy enough with top six this year. Oh yeah, God, I'm not going to disagree with that. That's 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 perfect. The one thing I will say to, to go back to William's point about what, that Scarlett's top of the league is that you have to remember the reason we have a Champions Cup now is because the English teams didn't make the quarterfinals about four years ago. Um, they cynically restructured the competition because rather than accept that they weren't good enough, I think everybody in the Pro 12 knows that this season we haven't been good enough, and um, for the factors that have been brought up before and again. If this continues next season, then we need to. Then I definitely think William's point becomes much more valid. I think this is a quite anomalous season. We have to take advantage of the fact that it's an anomalous season. We we have been taking. Uh, taking it and it's built into the confidence this time last year we would not have won that game certainly we would have conceded that final bonus point right this team knows a bit more it's learning on its feet it does as Linny's right it does need a few more experiences in certain positions or to have certain backup players some of these guys aren't going to go on they won't have as many games in this season I can't see John Muldoon getting as many games next season simply because he won't have it I don't think he logic tells you his legs have to go at some point he won't believe that um, but logic tells you must. Same with some of the other lads. And some of the guys are still raw. Um, Robbie is still raw. Lads. He's, we have to remember that. But in, terms, in an anomalous season, I don't see why top six is... Top, top, not finishing top six would be hugely disappointing. I think top four is a realistic goal to be aiming for. You should always be aiming to win every game and to be winning both competitions. That's our ultimate. That's what we should be aiming for. But top four, I think, is more than achievable. Top six is... It would be being extremely disappointed if that wasn't achieved. I agree with you on that. That's a good point. It's interesting about experience. Maybe just to finish before we get any other business and wrap this up. You know, uh, I'll go to you first, William, on this. 
sometimes too we, we need to also acknowledge that we're, we're ready in a lot of positions too so at one stage in the first half I was talking about uh, I think it was Phil John who was propping against Dennis Buckley no it was Rodri Jones and I was saying he had something like eight caps for Wales and a bit of experience he's gone up against the young Dennis Buckley and then I realised Rodri Jones is 24 Dennis Buckley's 25 so you start to realise that I, you know you could wait around for them to be ready or you can just say throw them out there and see what happens that's what they've done so maybe we should set the bar high for them as well in terms of expectations I think the bar has pr- is probably set very high I mean I, I, I suspect uh, there would be no talk of just finishing in the top six they would be looking for the top four um, and that, that's the way any professional organisation should, 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 should be set up um, the key to today is they've got to take that forward we didn't go forward after we beat Munster we, we put in a series of losing performances after the Munster game now they've got a platform to say the next four games they can win three out of the next four or four out of the next four which is perfectly doable then they can really start to look at a top four position but they've got to take today and go forward this is only two thirds of the way up the mountain it's not it's not the top the Dragons then Zebra away there are two away games coming up next then Ospreys at home and then Edinburgh away they're the games that William's saying they're very targetable during the Six Nations of course they are and it's just the perfect start the perfect platform Alan finds us before we even go to any other business it is a launching pad for this Connacht team to kick on into the spring or into the Six Nations period to be more active yeah yeah we talk about a break but like you know, there's no 12, really, 12 days. Yeah, it's not really a break as such, really. You know, we've got a game and then we've got another game 10 or 12 days after that. So there's no real break as such. Um, but yeah, there's no reason why. Yeah, Dragons would be tough. I think Dragons would be very tough. Um, but there's no reason why we can't get a result in, in Zebra. And it looks like Cardiff are doing us a favour at the moment because it's just about full time and they're winning against Edinburgh which which keeps us um, in a very good in a very good place. And then that Edinburgh game becomes massive for us. Very much so. Any other business? Who wants to say anything? Dave, you always help me out here. Oh, Lindley's in first. Fantastic. Go girls of Connacht Rugby with the Ireland rugby team. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. Take us through. How many How many did we get in the end? Five. Six. 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 And no Alison Miller because she's with the sevens. So it's actually, it's uh, the expected people like Ruth O'Reilly is there and Sunny Opu is there. But there's a couple of girls that come through. Uh, Mary Healy's come through. Kira O'Connor's come through. It's great. It's fabulous. And I think the fact is that they, their rugby, their club rugby goes kind of, and I hold my hands up. It's, I, it goes past, it goes unnoticed by me. And that's a terrible admission I'm going to make. But yeah, six Connacht women in the Irish team. If only certain other coaches would pick, would, would regard us as being as good as that. There you go. Alan Deegan has any other business? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. We were all really really worried last year around this time when it turned when we were told that Dan McFarland was leaving us. And in all honesty, I loved Dan. I thought he was one of the best forwards coaches ever. But after today's display, I think Jimmy Duffy deserves a massive amount of credit for the work he's doing with that pack because we really haven't missed Dan. And you won't have heard the interviews just yet, but in the Pat Lamb interview. Jimmy Duffy's picked out specifically by uh, Pat Lamb as, as deserving praise for what he's done. So that's good timing on that. Well done, Jimmy Duffy. And a local boy, a local coach. Not only are we developing our own players, we're developing our own coaches, which is so important. That's an interesting point Pat made, though, is that Jimmy Duffy has actually 
grown up with a lot of these young fellas who yes. he's now teaching. So he actually, from from the academy time, that they have come through him in the academy when he was in charge of the academy, helping Nigel within the academy. So it's quite. A, I think that's a very good point that that Pat made that he actually knows these young players inside out. Excellent point, William. Um, no, nothing really. Good job, well done. No, you have one. The big screen. Oh, come on. Did we no. not do this last week, though? I know, but it needs to be done again this week. At one stage, it was like that game. They used to play a game where you'd, you'd knock off a square and you'd show you a square, a corner of the, thing, of, of the screen because you could just see what was going on in that corner of the screen. Um, I think they played in one of those uh, Say What You See programs, you know, that quiz where you could just see, at one stage, for about a minute, all you could see was the bottom right-hand corner of the screen and players' legs coming in and out of the screen as it caught it, and that was it. It's and the referee was using that to make key decisions in the game. Uh, to be fair to him, he did run from <laughs> the, the, the goal line at the uh, College Road end. Uh, he ran down to the halfway line. He peered, hopefully, into the distance, and then he realised that he'd have to run down as far as the 22 to have a look at a total non-incident that did not need to go to the TMO, but the linesman suggested it was. It was a, it was a tackle and it was being looked looked on right at the end of the game for a deliberate knock-on by Connacht, and it wasn't. Um, which brings me back to my point that really if they had a little screen on the halfway line or something that the referee could have exclusive use of, and it is a bit embarrassing when it does keep failing. So, come on, Connacht, do something with the screen. All right, mine is just, uh, before I go to Dave, uh, Caelan Blade, he's the smallest scrum half in Pro 12 Rugby. He's from Monavay and Abbey Moy to be precise. Thank you, Pat Lamb and everyone involved in Connacht Rugby, starting with Eric Elwood, who have finally put an end to this nonsense of not trusting our own and trusting guys because of size and because of what clubs they come from. Caelan Blake put in a fine performance today, and he's proven himself to be a fine professional rugby player. And it has been a great week for Abby Nock because they've made the intermediate hurling final. His uh, brother Owen was on that team. He's going to go back. Can I just ask you a very simple question? It's a genuine question. What is hap- Where have all the Scottish refs gone? Where have all the Scottish refs gone? We have... Um, it was to do with why Ben Whitehouse was appointed. Now, Alan has a thing that Ben Whitehouse is very good news for us. <laughs> That's a, that, there'd be mixed opinions on that. But uh, hang on, uh, uh, four league games, four wins. That, I can't say any more. Okay, he, that's why he's stand up. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that Ben Whitehouse is appointed. We should pay him. Ben Whitehouse has been appointed to do a game between an Irish team and an, and and, uh, and the Welsh team. Now, surely you're supposed to have neutral refs, and there are five. There was possibly a five neutral refs: three Scots, two Italians. One of them is Marius Mitrea, probably being kept for the Six Nations. So you did have a choice. The simple question is: Have we had a Scottish ref this year? And if we have. What has happened to Lloyd Linton, and why have we not got the young lad Sam Gross Thomas? Uh, I apologise if I get his name wrong. But we, have, we may have had Niall Parson. We haven't had Lloyd Linton. We haven't had uh, the, the, the young lad, the young referee that's on the website. And just in general, what has happened to Scottish refs? All right, that's it. Who's, who's going to Newport with me? Yeah, me. I'm there. We're going by ferry. Yeah, and I fly home. Yeah, and then I'm driving on through Europe to watch Ireland versus France and then watch Parma. Loads of fun. We will have another podcast if something happens on the Robbie Henshaw front. It's okay, Alan, that's all I mentioned. Relax. But if there isn't, our next podcast will be in over 12 days' time. That's the longest wait you've had for a Craggy Island Rugby podcast. I think our food is here, lads. Everyone ready? Thanks, Lindy. That's all she has to say now. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> that's all he has to say now. See you in Newport. See you in Newport. Oh, Lindy will be there too, so there'll be two of us over there, three of us over there. Bye-bye. That's it. This is a bad finish to the podcast. We have to get better at the finishes. Talk to you next week, folks.